Welcome to the Pulp Nostalgia Audiocast. This week we have another pulp-inspired old-time radio show, The Nightmare Murder, an episode of The Fat Man. The Fat Man aired on ABC from 1946 to 1951. It starred J. Scott Smart as the title character, Detective Brad Runyon. This episode was first broadcast on January 17, 1951. Legendary pulp writer Dashiell Hammett is credited as the creator of The Fat Man, but in actuality probably had little to do with the radio series. Still, Hammett was the creator of such detective stalwarts as Sam Spade, Nick and Nora Charles, and the Continental Op. Most of his writing appeared in Black Mask in the 1920s and early 30s. The Maltese Falcon, which introduced Sam Spade, was serialized in Black Mask beginning in September 1929, before being made into the legendary film. Hammond is one of the many writers featured in the Beginner's Guide to Pulp Fiction, now available from Brick Pickle Media. It can be ordered from Amazon or any other bookstore, and you can get a discounted price by ordering direct from our website. That link is in the show notes. This podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production, copyright 2020. For more from Brick Pickle Media, visit www.pulpaudiocast.com. If you'd like to support our efforts, you can find a link to all of our books in our entire online store on the website. Thanks for listening today, and just a reminder, if you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And with that, on with the show. Here comes the Fat Man in The Nightmare Murder, starring J. Scott Smart, and presented by your local Buick dealer, who invites you to be on hand this Saturday, January 20th, when he introduces for the first time anywhere, the smartest car of the year, the new 1951 Buick. Remember the date, this Saturday, January 20th, the new 51 Buick. There he goes. He's stepping on the scales. Weight, 237 pounds. Fortune, danger. Is it? The Fat Man. It takes a good man to make a first-class old-fashioned. You have to muddle the sugar, bitters, and water properly, then toss in the ice and whiskey, and then carefully twist a lemon peel on top. Like anything else, it's simply a matter of following the recipe. But here's another illustration. If you take a liberal jigger of motive, add a slice of opportunity and a dash of means, and then pile a dozen or more old fashions on top of this, you're quite likely to end up with a real gruesome hangover. Murder. Like any solid, normal, routine job, this one began in my office. It was just after lunch. My feet were on the desk. I was munching a peppermint. I'd propped the latest edition just south of the bulge that marked the last resting place of a brace of breaded pork chops. When the phone rang. Runyon speaking. The detective? That's a debatable point, but I like to think so. 
Who's this? My name's George Dutton. Maybe you've heard of me. Oh, you mean the author? Well, that's a debatable point, too. I write mystery stories. Yes, I know. About private eyes who get hit on the head. Look, I've never had any need for a private eye. I don't even know what one looks like. I never even saw a pistol or a gangster or a corpse until last night. A corpse, that is. Uh, wait. Just wait a minute. Let's take this in sequence. Are you hiring me? Maybe. How much? Fifty in expenses. Well, that's a lot, but I need you pretty badly. Uh, what's the trouble? I... I killed a girl last night. I want you to prove it. Uh... Say that again and slower. You better come down here right away. Where are you? Melville Hospital. Alcoholic ward. The closest I'd ever been to the alcoholic ward at Melville was reading The Lost Weekend. After I convinced them I wasn't a prospective client, they gave me some of the dope on George Dutton. Their assumption was his writer's imagination had picked up an Italian collaborator during the period in question, namely, a batch of martinis. Runyon? Yeah. What can I do for you, George? Sit down. On the bed. I'll take it easy, will you? My head... I know what you mean. Is that better? Yeah. Now, look. You're going to think I'm crazy like the rest of them, but I'm not paying you for an opinion. Here. Here's two days' worth, 100 bucks. Thanks. Now, for this, I'm supposed to hang a murder rap on you, huh? Or did I hear it right over the phone? You did. At least I'll know, Runyon, if it happened. If I killed her, at least I'll know I'm not crazy. All right, Anything's George. better than that kind of doubt, Runyon, anything. Now, take it easy, George. Just tell me about it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Calm, collected, lucid, logical, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've been working hard, see? Trying to meet my publisher's deadline on a novel. I got tired last night around 7 and went to bed. Dead, wrung out, gone, you know? Now, this I'm sure of. Somewhere around 10 or 11 o'clock, I got up, put on my clothes, and went out for a walk around the block. I just turned the corner when it happened. What? I'd seen the car a lot in my neighborhood, a black Buick convertible. I'd seen the girl in it, too. Stunning girl, blonde, eyes like sapphires, figure like... Well, yeah, I, I know what you mean. So what? So she... So she pulled up to the curb and asked me to get in. Uh, how come? Well, am I so horrible? She did it, that's all. Okay. Who was she? I don't know. I don't know anything about her. She handed me a bottle, and that's how it started. Mm -hmm. Mistake number one. You're so right. So anyway, we drove around for a while, and I listened to her talk, and pretty soon the bottle was gone, so she pulled out another one, and pretty soon that one was gone, too. What'd she talk about? Death? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed perfectly normal at the time. She was fascinated by death. Wrote poems about it, she said. Quoted from them all the time. Anyway, things got pretty fuzzy about then. I don't remember much people, voices, lights. One thing, though, Runyon. One thing. There was a big red 
rooster about 10 feet high. Oh, yeah, naturally. It wouldn't be an evening without one. Uh, what was his now, name? Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. A sign, Runyon, a neon sign. I remember it blinking at me while she stopped by the trash can. What trash can? How do I know what trash can? A trash can. There was the red rooster and the trash can, and she stopped and took something out of her purse and dropped it in. And there were more lights and more people and more riding in the car, and then pretty soon we were alone. And she was pouring drinks for the two of us. And where was this? I don't know. You got me. She handed me a glass, see? And raised hers for a toast. To death, she said. And I saw she had a gun in her hand, pointing it at her head. I grabbed it, got a hold of it, but it went off. Oh, great. Last thing I remember was her lying on the floor, and then the floor was rushing up at me. Well, that's it. What do you mean, that's it? What happened after that? Nothing. When I opened my eyes, I was in my own bed, in my own apartment with my clothes right where I'd left them at seven the night before. A night man swears I wasn't out of my room all night. Nobody believed me. They huh? said I dreamed it. I had a couple more drinks, found the, found the cop on the beat and told him, too. That's how I got here. They all think I'm crazy. <laughs> well, maybe I am. Maybe I am. <laughs> but go on. Find out for me, Runyon. Get on it, will you? Get on it. So I got on it. First, there was the janitor at George's apartment. Please, Mr. Runyon. I've been nightman here for 12 years. I know George Dutton as long as he lives here. He couldn't leave this building last night without me seeing him. And I didn't see him. You can take my word. He's nuts. Then there was the bar bartender George had mentioned. <laughs> Look, all I know is he come in at an indecent hour this morning, screaming for the hair of the dog that bit him. Just like all the other times. Yeah, especially the last time. <laughs> what happened last time? Oh, same thing, a couple of years ago. Only that night, he got out of bed and trapped Adolf Hitler in the information booth at Grand Central. <laughs> the cop who'd hauled him over to Melville said the same thing. Likewise, a couple of newsboys. Verdict? Unanimous. George was a lush and a loony. And I was inclined to go along with him. On the theory that a special convertible, complete with blonde, is something even a New Yorker will stop and look at, I quizzed the service stations around George's apartment house. Sure enough, up comes a guy who'd greased its gold-plated chassis only a month before. The record showed it belonged to Olivia Bradshaw at a Park Avenue address that went with the car, so I trotted over. Some kind of a soiree was going on in the huge living room. The butler looked at me, raised his eyebrows one at a time, and finally decided I wouldn't run off with the silver plate and hustled me into the library, which seemed to have another occupant. As a spirit with yellow eyes gleaming, will I to thy couch come again? Uh, when you say that, smile. <laughs> what is it? This book, Baudelaire. Lousy translation. By the way, I'm Joan Cameron, Lydia's poor country cousin. Who are you? One of Uncle Charles' tribe of sycophants? Well, I'm not sure what that means, but I don't think so. 
My name's Brad Runyon. Oh. Uh, where is Lydia, by the way? Out somewhere. You looking for her? Yeah. Well, you're just in time. She and Uncle Charles are going abroad, you know. Sailing tonight. Oh, who's Uncle Charles? Lydia's guardian. Keep her to the keys to the Bradshaw Exchequer. Well, that sounds important. It is. Oh, in the chips, huh? Oh, no. He just has a pair of scissors to clip the coupons for Lydia, which, incidentally, is a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And that concludes my dissertation on the Bradshaws, a morbid subject at best. Let's talk about you. Sure, sweetheart. After we talk about a quick way I can get a hold of Uncle Charles. I beg your pardon? This friend is Uncle Charles. Uh, pretty quick. How do you do, Mr. Bradshaw? Ah, Mr. Runyon, isn't it? It is. Now, if you'll excuse me. Hmm. Strange girl. Now, Mr. Runyon. I've come on a peculiar errand, Mr. Bradshaw. When do you expect your niece Lydia back? Oh, in an hour, perhaps two. Why? I wonder if she'd consider making a short visit to Melville Hospital. Melville? Good heavens, what for? A client of mine thinks he killed her last night. Now, just a minute. What kind of nonsense is this? I know it sounds crazy, but it isn't nonsense. His name's George Dutton, and he's in the alcoholic ward. He fell off the wagon last night, but hard. He has seen your niece riding around her, her convertible. She impressed him. So, instead of the usual pink elephants, he had some hallucination about taking a ride with her last night and killing her. We can't talk him out of it. Well, that's fantastic. What do you want Lydia to do about it? Well, just stop by the hospital and convince him he's wrong, that's all. But don't you understand we're sailing for Europe at midnight? Now, look, this will only take her ten minutes. It may mean the man's sanity. Well... Otherwise, he's liable to be running around to the police and the newspapers. Uh, well, I'll ask Lydia to drop by. Good, and thanks. I'll be running along, then. Sorry to trouble you, Mr. Bradshaw. <laughs> Well, what's the verdict, Runyon? You think I'm nuts now, too, huh? George, listen, listen. Now, hold of yourself. This doesn't mean you're nuts. Could happen anyway. Shut up, shut up. What was her name? Lydia Bradshaw. Bradshaw? Yeah, and she's coming over here to see you. Now, listen, Runyon. You're working for me, see? You're not working for them. You're now, wait working... a minute, George. You listen to me. I'm telling you this happened. I was there. I wasn't... In bed dreaming it, this dame is dead. Do you understand that? Shut up over there. I won't shut up. I'm telling you, kids, you'll go off your rockers. Now, look, shut. Doc, wait. Look, George, there's no use arguing about it. I talked to her uncle. The girl's coming here. That'll convince you, won't it? She's not coming here because she's dead. She's dead. I held her with these two arms. I heard the gun go off. I felt her go limp in my arm. And my arms. Oh, no. No. I'm sorry. Who's George Dutton? Right over there. I'm Lydia Bradshaw. Well, what about it, George? You... You... You're all right. What do you mean, Mr. Dutton? Well, last night... Last night we were together, don't you remember? Well, no. Sorry, I don't. I don't remember ever seeing you before. Go away. 
Go away. Come on. Isn't there anything I can do? No, you may as well go now. But the poor man. You heard what he said. Now go on, get out of here. Get out. I'm terribly sorry. Thanks very much, Miss Bradshaw. I do hope it'll be all right. Yeah. Good night. Well, George, is that the girl? Yeah. That's the girl. So that turned it up. I refunded him 50 bucks of the 100 he gave me, recommended a good psychiatrist, and took off. It was after my dinner time, so I walked toward the East 50s, a little Italian restaurant that makes wonderful lasagna. Suddenly, I found myself looking across the street at a bar on the opposite corner with a blazing red rooster in neon lights. Of course, he could have dreamed this, too. In his heyday, he probably knew every pub in town. But the business of the trash can opposite the entrance, which was right where he said it was, was pretty accurate dreaming, even for a professional dreamer like George. For this reason, I decided to sacrifice my dignity. I sidled up to the trash can and began probing around. It was there. A slim volume in black Morocco with gold lettering on the cover reading Skyward. Poems in Praise of Death by Lydia Bradshaw. I kicked myself for refunding that 50 bucks. In my trade, you never know what's coming next. Every time the phone rings, every time you turn a corner, every time you open a letter, there's apt to be a surprise. It happens so often in my trade that you always expect to see the unexpected. And everyone can expect to see the thrill of their lives this coming Saturday, January 20th, the day the new 1951 Buick is introduced. Yes, this Saturday, your local Buick dealer will present for the first time anywhere... Buick's all-star lineup for 51. New Buick specials, new supers, new roadmasters. They'll all be there, the smartest cars that ever bore the Buick name. So don't miss this exciting world premiere featuring the new 51 Buick. Come early, stay late, and see all the surprises Buick offers you for 51. It's this Saturday, January 20th, at your nearest Buick dealers. See the new 51 Buick. And now, let's catch up with the Fat Man. I stood for a minute in the glow of the Red Rooster sign and thumbed through the book of poems. Then I went into the bar. Yes, sir, what do you have? Uh, make it a beer. Any special kind? Well... Now, how uh... about a tall, cool glass of McCoy's Pale Ale? <laughs> Sounds like a commercial. It is. See the sign up there? Don't let them fool you, brother. Reach for the real McCoy. Okay, I'm sold. Draw one. Right. I quaffed my real McCoy and skimmed through Lydia's Odes to the Dark Angel. Tossing a Morocco-bound book into a trash can, it seemed a strange thing for a girl to do until you read the poetry, whereupon it became clearly the only thing to do. It was so awful, I gave up trying to read it and concentrated on the frontispiece, which as with all privately printed works, was a picture of the author. Looking at it now, 
It seemed to me as if I'd seen Lydia Bradshaw somewhere before. Somewhere before she'd walked into George's room at the hospital. But I couldn't put my finger on it. How about another real McCoy? No, no. Uh, wait a minute. Don't go away. Yeah? Were you here last night? Sure. Why? Uh, here, take a look at this picture. You ever seen her? Uh, who is she? Name's Lydia Bradshaw. Was she in here last night? I don't know. Maybe, but I don't remember seeing her. Hmm. She came in with the after-theater bunch. I wouldn't remember anyway. Marvin here four deep at the bar. Why, Fred? Huh? Oh, excuse me, I got Wait a... Wait a minute, Frank. What do you mean you don't know, Lydia? Well, I didn't say that, Miss Cameron. Frank? I just... Well, I mean, I didn't say I don't know her. I only said I wouldn't remember if she was in here during rush hour last night. Um, excuse me, I got a customer waiting. Customer, my foot. The liar. Oh, please don't think I'm dogging your footsteps, Mr. Runyon. How do you happen to come here? Always do. You say he knows your cousin, Lydia Bradshaw? He ought to. She owns the place. Uh, Tell me, did you steal that book from the library? Oh, no, no, no. I I picked it out of the trash can outside. What? Yeah, yeah, Scout's on her. But it's the only one she has left. She'd die before she'd throw it away. How about afterwards? What do you mean? No, just skip it. Here, look at this inscription on the flyleaf. To Greg. Someday I'll find you. What does she mean by that? Greg Stanhope. She used to think she was in love with him. Maybe she was, I don't know. But Uncle Charles decided it was wrong and broke it up. A fatal mistake, I might add. Mm, Why fatal? They found Greg the next day with a champagne glass in one hand and a gun in the other. He'd shot himself. Hello, George. Yeah? Uh, this is Runyon. What do you waste your time on me for, Runyon? I'm nuts, you know. I'm now, crazy. Now, shut up, George. Take it easy. Answer me a couple of questions. Do you know anybody named Stanhope? Greg Stanhope? Yeah. No, I never heard of him. Uh-huh. How did you happen to say Greg? I don't know. It just popped into my head. Greg Stanhope. It goes together somehow. Greg... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I do know. Yeah, she was, she was talking about him last night. That's who she toasted when she raised her glass just before she Okay, shot. okay. Now, one more question, George. Did anyone in, see you leave the building last night? Well, sure, the janitor. Anyone else? No. Well, look, supposing it went like you said. Suppose someone picked you off the floor at the Bradshaw apartment and brought you home. Is there anyone who'd know exactly where to hang your clothes and straighten out the rest of your apartment besides you? Sure, the janitor would, but he already told you... He's got a couple of sidelines. George, as a writer, this may come as a disappointment to you, but you aren't nuts. Listen, Mr. Onion, get your foot out of my door before I... Now, take it easy, pal. I'm coming in. I already told you all I know about George Dutton. That I'm inclined to doubt. Now sit down, pal. You've had a hard day pushing a broom and raking in cash. You want I should call a cop? 
There's a law against breaking into a guy's apartment. There's also a law against criminal conspiracy. I said I give it to you this afternoon, all of it. Don't call me no criminal conspiracy because I'm janitor, no criminal, see? How much did Charles Bradshaw pay you to tell me George wasn't out of his apartment last night? I don't know nothing, I tell you. Now, get out of here. Now, you come clean first. You saw George coming and going. You helped Bradshaw put him to bed last night. No, I didn't. Honest, I didn't. You better level with me, Buster, before no. I'd knock... Uh, I don't come near me. Someone had fired through the window and nailed the janitor before I could make him talk. I rushed over, opened the window, and hit the back alley in half a minute flat, but it was too late. A car rode off half a block away, and that was that. I walked back to where the killer must have stood, trying to make sense out of nonsense. I'd run into my share of murders, but this was the first time in my book that someone committed one to cover up another one someone else had confessed to. Now, if that sounds confusing, it's only because it was. A party was going on three floors up. It was nice to know someone was having a good time because I wasn't. I leaned back against the wall and mopped my head. There had to be an answer somewhere. And it was lucky I'd leaned back or I would have been brained. A bottle whistled down three floors and glanced off my shoulder and bounced into some soft rubbish in the alley. I picked it up, looked at the label, and suddenly it hit me. It was an answer from out of the blue. Don't let them fool you, brother, it said. Reach for the real McCoy. I found a phone and called the hospital and left instructions for George. Then I hailed a cab and rushed over to Lydia Bradshaw's apartment. Uh... What time is it, Miss, uh... Bradshaw. Yeah, yeah, Bradshaw. It's almost 11. As I told you, Mr. Runyon, Uncle Charles is extremely busy taking care of the baggage and won't have time to talk to you before we yeah, say... Yeah, sure, sure, I know. Uh, how come he forgot that trunk over there, Miss, uh... uh... Bradshaw. Yeah, Bradshaw. <laughs> I'm having a tough time with that name. Uh, what about that trunk? It's full of his first editions for the vault while we're gone. Mm-hmm. Now, let's see. Where was I? Will you stop reading that stupid book? Stupid? Listen to this. Astride the cosmic threshold, I gazed back toward the old familiar lighted realm once more. Then resolute to turn my face the new way. Toward the wild, unlighted shore. Three guesses now. Byron, Keats, or Nick Kenny. I don't know and I don't care. You ought to know, baby. You wrote it. What do you mean, Mr. Ranyan? Poems in Praise of Death by Lydia Bradshaw. Uh, this mean anything to you? It's an empty beer bottle, isn't it? Yeah. Someone almost brained me with it tonight. McCoy's Pale Ale. Don't let them fool you, brother. Reach for the real McCoy. Still don't remember? Should I? Yeah. Took me a while, but I did I wondered why you looked familiar to me. Me? Yeah. You two girls, two pictures. One of these girls is Lydia Bradshaw, Park Avenue debutante, and the other is a professional model. Which one is the real McCoy? It was an ad in all the magazines three years ago. You figured out which is which by now, I presume. Yeah. Why did you play along with him? Is there any harm in it? Well, I can think of about six laws you're breaking, not the least of which is criminal conspiracy. Criminal? What are you... Just a minute, Lydia. Stay where you are, both of you. Well... 
My name's not Lydia. Let's stop the pretense. Gonna make it a double header tonight, Uncle Charles? I might. Double what? Murder. Murder? What are you. Shut up. But murder? I didn't know anything about this. All you said was she'd kill herself and you wanted to avoid a scandal about suicide. It was a scandal, all right, but not about suicide, was it, Uncle Charles? But what was it? When Lydia killed herself last night, it threw the whole estate into the hands of the executors, opened the books to the accountants. How much had you embezzled, Uncle Charles? A couple of hundred Gs, maybe? More than that, Runyon. But you're wrong on a technicality. It's not a scandal, not unless it gets out. And it's not going to get out. I killed once. They can't do any more to me but two or three. You can't cover it that way, Branshaw. No? Watch me, Runyon. Watch me. But don't, Mr. Branshaw, no. Hey, Runyon. Runyon, this is the place. I'm George, here. you're just in time. Huh? Who? Oh. 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 You've killed him. No, but he's going to have quite a headache. The McCoy Company puts out a good bottle, too. Oh. Catch her? It's uh, two down. Put her on the sofa, George, while I call headquarters. Yeah. Lydia Bradshaw. No, no. This is the reasonably accurate facsimile. We'll find Lydia Bradshaw in that trunk over there. Well, then I did kill her. No, no, you didn't. She committed suicide, but her guardian didn't dare let it be known, or he'd have been discovered as an embezzler. What do you mean? Skip it for now. I need a drink. How about you? Runyon, if it's all the same to you, I'll take sarsaparilla. Tonight's thrilling story of The Fat Man was presented by your local Buick dealer, who invites you to the biggest show in town, opening this coming Saturday, January 20th. The big event, the world premiere of the new 1951 Buick. Come see for yourself Buick's exciting new style, distinctive new design, its sparkling beauty inside and out. Find out what makes the 51 Buick the smartest car on the road. See it this Saturday, January 20th, at your nearest Buick dealers. Batman, starring J. Scott Smart, was directed by Clark Andrews. The script was written by Harold Swanton. Heard on tonight's show were Lyle Sudrow as George Dutton and Gertrude Warner as Joan Cameron. The music was composed by Mark Winston. Your announcer, Don Lowe. Listen next week to another exciting adventure of the Fat Man. G-Note for Murder. Gallery starring Paul Stewart follows immediately. For more exciting mysteries, stay tuned. This program came to you from New York. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.